We're going to be in Galatians tonight. Chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 10, and I know i got 10 through 18 on the screen. I think I do at least. But we may, we may slip a little further than that. We'll just have to wait and see. Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 10. We're about at the halfway point of the book of Galatians, and, 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 and the main point to this, to this point has been, and really throughout the whole book, is, is Paul is trying to uh, teach the people of Galatia uh, that they are free from these uh, works of the law, that they're, that they're not going to be saved, that they're not going to be justified, they're not going to be righteous by the works of the law, and there's this burden that's been put on them, and there's this burden that they have to do certain things to, uh, to please God, to earn God's salvation, to stay in God's favor. And Paul is making the point that, look, Jesus has freed you from those things. It's not that Jesus frees us so that we can go out and sin all we want to. Paul would say in the text, absolutely not. That's not what we're supposed to do. But Jesus frees us from the burden of having to follow the law to a T because he has followed the law for us. And, and Paul is expounding upon that a little further in these texts tonight. So we're going to pray and then we'll dig into the text. Father God, I thank you for a good night. I thank you in the midst of this rainstorm that you just fill this house up. And it's just a, a blessing, God, to get to come and to serve. And I thank you, dear Lord, for putting such a sweet spirit in this church. And we give you the glory for that. We thank you, God, for bringing us together. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just bless the reading of your word tonight. I know that we talk a lot about the law, dear Lord, and especially in Galatians. We've talked about it, and I know it. It may seem repetitive to some of us, but God, your word covers that a lot in the New Testament, especially in this book. And so we're just going to keep on reading the text as it comes. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would just tug on our heart, that there would be some word that we would read tonight of yours, God, that's just going to have an impact on us, something that's going to get our attention, maybe something we need to hear, and that we wouldn't tune you out, but that our ears would be tuned in to you, God. And so I pray that you would just... Hide me behind the cross, that you would just speak tonight, dear Lord, that you would just bring everything out of my mouth that needs to come out, and uh, just bless the reading of your word. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, everyone who does not continue doing everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now, if you want to flip back with me to the Old Testament, you can to Deuteronomy. Because if you go back into the Old Testament and Deuteronomy and those first few books of the Bible, what you see is you see the law. Now, we know the Ten Commandments, and those, those kind of cover everything in a sense, but there are a lot of individual laws that God's people were to follow. Chapter 21, if you're wondering. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22 and 23. So here was the punishment for those who did some things that were uh, against what the law said. Now, the punishment for some of these things was death. It's very clear in the Old Testament that, look, if you do X, Y, and Z, whatever it may have been in the law, that the punishment for some of those things was death. Deuteronomy 22, or excuse me, 21, verse 22. If anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but are to bury him that day. 
For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not defile the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So that's pretty, that's pretty strong language that we see in the Old Testament, that if you commit something and break a law that is worthy of death, then you are to be hung on a tree, and you're not even supposed to be left out of the night overnight, because that's a curse, and it's going to bring uh, bad things to the land. You shouldn't even leave the people. They have to be taken down uh, before the night even is over. And so we see in the Old Testament that it's a serious thing, and Paul is drawing us back to that command in the Old Testament. Look, saying, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Now what he means there, you're under a curse, is because nobody can fulfill the works of the law. And so those who are trying to be justified by works, and maybe as some of us in this room, we can't do it. We are under a curse. That is, we cannot live up to what the law requires, and there is only punishment, and there is only death for us to look forward to if that's what we are striving for. And so Paul is trying to make that point and get it across to the people. Everyone who, do, who does not continue doing everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now, we can all agree, I would, I would venture to say that if every one of us were to go home tonight and we were to read through the first five books of the Bible and we were to see the beginnings and we were to see God's promises and we were to see God put the law into effect, it would not take us long once we got into the law for us to realize we have broken it. Now, maybe there are some of you that make it get through the whole list and say, I've never done any of those, but I doubt it. There's like 610 or something like that laws. And so we all would probably agree that when we read the law, that we are all guilty in some point in time. We have done some of those things, and most of us have probably done most of those things. And so we are guilty of breaking the law, and therefore, if we are living by that law, we are under a curse. Now, it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Now that is pretty clear. There are people that would say, even today, there are people who would believe that say, look, you got to do good works. you got to do good works. And we do want to do good works. We've talked about this on many occasions. But we don't do good works to earn God's favor. As the Scripture says, we love because He first loved us. That is, His love for us and His forgiveness of us is our motivation to go out and love others and to do good works. And Paul says it right here. It is clear that no one is justified by the works of the law, but we are made righteous by faith. Now, if you go back and read, if you wasn't here a couple weeks ago, you can go back and read a little earlier on. He talks about Abraham. He goes back to the father, uh, the father of, uh, of the nation of Israel. It all started with Abraham. And God made the promise through Abraham. And it was an unconditional promise. God didn't say to Abraham, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you the father of many nations if you do this. He didn't say that. He just went to Abraham and said, Bam, you're the one I've chosen who knows why God chose Abraham. But it said that Abraham believed he had faith in what God was telling him and it was credited to him for righteousness. And so here we see that contrast that Paul is constantly making and we see all throughout the text that it is not about our works, but it is about our faith. And so that's why he says it is clear. There should be no argument or no misinterpretation there, at least in my opinion, because Paul spells it out for us. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. So the law is not based on faith. 
That is, if you trust in Jesus Christ and you trust in what God's Word said, you do that by faith and you know that Jesus has paid it all. You know that Jesus has given you freedom, so you know that you don't have to work to earn God's favor to earn salvation. But if you live for the law, if you live for works, if you, if you put your faith and your trust in works, then you are going to live by the law and for the law, and that is going to bring an immense burden on you. It's going to be an immense burden because once you begin to go through and you try to follow all the laws, you will find very quickly that you will go crazy because you can't do it. And so that was the problem of the people that we see so often in the New Testament. The ones that Jesus preached to, the ones that the apostles preached to, the ones who Paul preached to, because they were living in this burden. They were living in slavery of all of these rules that they thought they needed to live in. And all of these Pharisees and Sadducees and so many of these Jews were trying to push all of these rules and all of these guidelines on everybody else. And they weren't biblical things. They were trying to force these things on other people that God did not command, that Jesus had come and Jesus had freed everybody from. Now, the situations and circumstances that they were dealing with are much different than what we deal with today. Now, a lot of the stuff we see them dealing with is talking about food, what kind of food to eat, and a lot of the Sabbath day stuff and all these other things. Now, we may not really struggle with those things, but maybe there are some things that we struggle with that we place importance on that God's Word does not place importance on. It's not to say that those things may not be bad. They may, be, they may very well be good. But the problem in Paul's time is that there was one group trying to force things on another group that God didn't command them to do, and that was bringing a burden on God's people where Jesus wants to bring freedom. And so we have to be careful as Christians that we don't fall into those same traps. We can say, well, we don't deal with any of this stuff that they do because how many times do we go back there to eat and say, well, I'm not going to eat that. We just eat whatever's there, right? We slap it on the plate, we chow down, we have a good time with it. But we want to be careful as a church that we don't fall into the trap of legalism. One of the things that they fell into a trap was the Sabbath day. It was a big deal to keep the Sabbath day. But what we see in Jesus' ministry is there are some times that he, guess what, does things on the Sabbath day. And the people were appalled at that, that he would pick grain on the Sabbath day, that he would heal someone on the Sabbath day. They had become very legalistic, and they had become very tied into the law, and they were trying to fulfill the law, and Jesus was coming to tell them, look, I am freeing you from that. Paul talks about that in his writing. He talks about that, that for one man one day is important and for another man uh, another day is important. But those who are in Christ should know that we are free to worship Christ anytime. That it is not about a certain day of the week. And we want to be careful that we don't become legalistic in that. How many times do we maybe go somewhere on a Sunday and we see people on our way to church and we say, boy, they didn't go to church today. Shame on them. We may do that sometimes. Maybe they go to church on Saturday night. When I was in California, I went to a church and went to church on Saturday night. Because I know that in Christ, I was free. I could worship Christ on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. But in our mind and in our traditions, we've put a special emphasis on Sunday. And there's nothing wrong with Sunday. We can worship God on Sunday. But we don't want to become legalistic and say, because every other person is not worshiping the Lord on Sunday, therefore they are living in sin. 
If we're going by the letter of the law, then we too are living in sin because the law says to worship on the Sabbath, which would start Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock. And so it doesn't matter the day. That's not the point. The point is, is that we don't want to get caught up in things that Jesus has freed us from, whatever those things may be. And that was the problem that was going on in Galatia, and that was the problem that Paul was dealing with. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. Now boy, you, you, you think about that for a second. You read that verse and you really soak that in. And you think about the power of what that verse is saying. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Now that's some pretty powerful stuff. Because we've already seen in the verses before what the penalty for us should have been. We should have experienced the curse of that law. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse. And it says He became the curse for us. And He was hung on a tree. Now that's pretty good stuff right there. That should, that should kind of cut to the quick for us as Christians. There should be some, some weightiness to that. That should kind of weigh on our hearts the, the love that Jesus showed. That He would take the curse that we deserve so that we could have the freedom that we don't deserve. So that we could have salvation and redemption that we don't deserve. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised Spirit through faith. Brothers, I am using a human illustration. No one set, sets aside or makes additions to even a human covenant that has been ratified. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds as though referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed who is Jesus Christ. And I say this, the law which came 430 years later does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God and cancel the promise. So here Paul, he's drawing everything back because we just talked about it, that God made the promise through Abraham. It was an unconditional promise and God said it is done and God didn't go back. And, and, and Paul says, look, a human illustration, when we, in, when we as humans agree on something and we settle on something and say this is done, even we know that we're supposed to keep that contract. Now even that illustration falls apart because guess what? We probably all have been part of or know somebody that's been part of breaking a contract because we're sinful humans. But God is not one who breaks a contract. When God made that promise through Abraham and said, Look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you the father of many nations through your seed, who the text says is Jesus Christ, and who the text before and a few verses before says that Jesus died on that tree for us so that we could all be forgiven. And God kept His promise. God didn't go back on His promise. God didn't say, they are too bad, they are too wicked, they are too evil, I'm done with them, I'm not going to send Jesus, I'm not going to send my son, I'm going to keep him up here, and I'm going to let them be down there and destroy themselves, and I'm going to condemn them to hell. That's what God could have said. 
But the text here reminds us that God is true to His promise. Paul is telling the people here, look, God made this promise 430 years before the law ever came into effect. Abraham was justified by faith before the law ever came into effect. And what Paul is calling the people to here is to say, look, don't live for the law. Don't be weighed down with the burdens of thinking you have to do things that Jesus Christ has freed you from. What Paul is saying, don't live by the law, but live by Jesus Christ. That promise was made by Abraham, and it's Abraham's faith that saved him, and it's our faith that will save us. It's the same saving faith that Abraham had that God calls us to, that God says, look, I sent my son for you. Will you trust in him? For if the inheritance is from the law, it is no longer from the promise. That's important for us to know. We cannot cannot get what God wants to give us. We couldn't get that through the law. We're going to talk about that more in weeks to come. We couldn't get that from the law. If that would have been the case, then the promise to Abraham would have been of no importance. And Paul is reminding us that, look, what we get is through the promise that was from Abraham and not from the law. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. Why then was the law given? And we'll stop there. But that's the question that we ask. We talk about, well, the law is of no importance. Jesus has freed us from that law. And so if we're not living for the law, then why in the world do we have the law? What is it there for? And we're going to answer that question in a week or two. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for your good word. And I pray, God, that you would just Use this word to bless us tonight. And maybe you reveal some things in our heart. If you didn't tonight, maybe you you will, dear Lord, as we think about your word. And maybe we're guilty sometimes of being legalistic, and maybe we're not, God. I pray that if there's someone in this room that's struggling with legalism and and, and feeling the burden of, of something that's just not necessary, that you would just help them to be free of that, that the Holy Spirit would just give them the peace that they need to know that, God, it's not our actions that earn your favor but it's our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so help us always to uh, recall that in those times where, we, where we're trying to do too much on our own and just to remember and recall that Jesus did enough for us when he became the curse for us. Help us not to take that lightly or just or, 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 or not realize the significance of that God, but to know that that was a big price that was paid but that we can also know that Jesus paid it all, that there's nothing else left to be paid, God. There's nothing else we can pay to add to that. And so I pray, God, that you would help us to live in the promise. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.